Hi, I'm Brianne Bennis, and this is No End in Sight, a podcast about life with chronic illness. Before getting started, I want to say a huge thank you to David Lauren, who helped me with a transcript this week. I release a full transcript with each episode because I think excels yeah, because I think accessibility is important and because I think it's rad to have searchable versions of each story. And even though I use Amazon Web Services to transcribe the episodes, it takes a lot of time to edit each transcript. So you'll be hearing from Dave a few episodes from now, but today I wanted to thank him for his transcript help. Today I'll be talking to Claire about a wide variety of health things. Claire has a cochlear implant after experiencing progressive hearing loss, and she's been diagnosed with EDS and epilepsy. Claire also had major thoracic surgery as a teenager, so we really talk about all sorts of body things. As a quick content note, I want to mention that we do briefly discuss body image, weight, and diet near the end of the interview, and I briefly talk about eating disorders during the wrap-up. And before we start, here's my disclaimer. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Make sure you talk to your practitioner about any questions or symptoms. Hello, Claire. Hi. Um, I, it sounds like you've read the transcripts, so you kind of know, and, and you've seen me on Twitter, so you know what I'm up to. Um, so I like to ask people to get started. Were you healthy as a kid? Okay. Um, first, this might be awkward because I don't like to talk. Uh, you know, very shy. So, yes, I was very healthy as a kid. Um, not so much as a baby. Um, I was born by emergency C-section uh, because I was massive. I weighed 10 pounds and was 24 inches long. Um, so I was like a full-size human, basically. Yeah. Trying to come out of my mother backwards. Um, so my AFGAR scores were very low in the beginning. AFGAR, you know what that is? It's a score of how a baby is doing, whether they're crying, breathing, blue, moving, and they do it at two minutes and five minutes. Okay. So they they got better, and then I was just a massive child um, until I was about three or four, then I started being very tall and skinny, and other than the occasional ear infection, you know, I was never sick. Okay. So. Things seemed pretty, I mean, as a kid, you don't probably think about it, but in retrospect, things seemed pretty good, normal. Yeah. 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 Um, I didn't actually start getting sick until I was in high school. Then I would just get sick over and over and over. Okay. And so when you say sick, what kind of stuff was happening? Uh, I had a bunch of ear infections that are not related to my hearing loss at all. Okay. Um, 
so I would just get an ear infection and it would just stick around. So I was always the pediatrician, you know, age 14, 15, with an ear infection. Um, and that's about it. And then really. were you taking a lot of antibiotics? Uh, yes, every time I had an ear infection. It was before the wait and see. Yeah. But now, since I have a cochlear implant, when I get an ear infection, I'm on a month of antibiotics. So there's no more wait and see. Mm-hmm. I guess I should cheese. say that I'm deaf. Yeah. And I have a cochlear implant. Okay. And... But not then? Or when did you get a cochlear implant? Um, four years ago. Okay. Right before I defended my graduate thesis, which is just the best time to have a major surgery and learn to hear. Yeah, it sounds like a good time to do something massively, massively changing like that. And so... Yeah, it, it yeah. was. So as a kid, you, or sorry, as a teenager, it sounds like high school, you had a lot of ear infections, but they didn't seem related to anything else. And how was your hearing at that time? You said that wasn't related to your hearing loss. Um, I wasn't, I had progressive hearing loss. So I'm, I, uh, I went to a very small school and there would be like, for the kids in the class so I, I got along pretty well and nobody ever thought anything was wrong with my hearing even though it was incredibly easy to sneak up on me and I would like you know be yelled at for why didn't you let the cat in he's been <laughs> screaming I'm like seriously no I don't hear the cat mm-hmm. um but I guess one thing that happened when I was a teenager is I had major surgery. Okay. And um, so tell me about that. Expected, unexpected? Uh, it was planned. Um, I guess I don't count this as being sick because I mean, it was all I ever knew. Um, my sternum had grown in so my heart was being sort of crushed okay and it was shoved into my left chest i mean it's already supposed to be in your left chest but but more it so? was it was like all the way over there and my right lung was uh not able to inflate all the way uh so i had constant palpitations you know, like, my heart would just go funky. And my mom noticed one time, I don't know, when I was, like, 12 or 13, and she's a nurse, and she was like, that's not right, you know. Um, so I went to the doctor, went to, you know, get CT scans and everything, and found out that there was, uh, 1.3 centimeters, I think, between 
the anterior part of my spine and the posterior part of my sternum. Okay. So, like, not much. <laughs> A very, not enough for the things that are supposed to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm nerd medical. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that also compressed my uh, stomach. So I would always, like, be full. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's part of the reason why I was such a skinny kid. Like, I was ridiculously skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I guess one other thing. I know I'm all over the place. It's okay. That's what my brain is. It's hard to put this stuff um, back in order. Yeah. Uh, I was put on a diet of peanut butter, chocolate, milkshakes every night. Like a weight gain diet? Yeah, it was just the worst thing ever. (laughs) And it had like, you know, extra carbs put in. Um, They did the same thing at college. I was required to eat ice cream at every meal. And I was like, I I guess I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and it was probably uncomfortable if part of what was happening was that there wasn't enough room or your stomach was compressed, right? Yeah. 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 So you had uh, surgery. The, hmm? Yes, which was awful because um, they went and broke every rib in my body and put a bar in and uh. just shoved everything around. So I had an epidural at age 13 and um, that didn't work. And it turns out that my hair color, you know, reddish, um, has this weird lucky gene where lidocaine doesn't work. Okay, so the epidural didn't work? No, I could still feel... I could feel my feet, and they're like, oh, it's just... It's not too bad. I mean, you're... You'll feel some stuff. I'm like, no, I can feel you touching my toe. Um, So I was in the hospital a week. Um... No, it's not the first time I had the uh, the problem with lidocaine. A few years ago, I had shoulder surgery, and they did a nerve block with lidocaine. And when I woke up from surgery, I mean, my mom was there, of course, because she's a nurse and she's my mom. I said, I can feel my arm. And she, like, you know, distracted me and touched part of my arm and asked, well, what am I touching? And I was like, right between my, my fingers. And so the nurses didn't believe me until I saw an article. And so now I'm like telling people, like, red hair, reddish hair, you know, strawberry blonde, you might have this weird gene. Watch out for lidocaine. Yeah, it's not... I mean, it explains why I hate the dentist. Uh, But I've never had a cavity, so... 
So that's good. Control. <laughs> so it was an awful surgery. Did it help with what it was supposed to help with? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was awful in terms of major thoracic surgery. Would be awful um, no matter what. Yeah. So, like, sitting up by myself took a few weeks to be able to do. Um, and just, I spent the whole summer recovering. Um, and it, it was about six months before I could sneeze without cursing. Yeah. Um, and then my school is a religious school, so we had chapel every day. I sneezed during the prayers once and might have said, oh, fuck, um, sort of loudly. Yeah. And uh, that I didn't well. get in trouble, though. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that was okay with that. So, uh, but it did help um, with the heart palpitations. Haven't had those since ever. Um, I mean, my lungs were done growing, so they're still. I mean, they work fine. Just mm-hmm. asthma. Gotcha. Yeah, they're just doing and their I'm, own thing. Yeah. And, I mean, I still don't, like, I won't eat a huge meal. I'd rather eat, you know, a little bit, you know, every half hour or something. Mm-hmm. You're used to pacing your food. Mm-hmm. You're used to pacing your food. Yeah. Like eating as you go. So that was in high school. Did anything else happen? Health-wise, that would be tough to not be numb when you're supposed to be numb. Um, yeah. Um, well, I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Okay, yeah. Which everybody in the world thinks they have. Um, and it's actually incredibly rare, and there are eight types. But I dislocated my shoulder during Habitat for Humanity, you know, helping people and um, dislocated my shoulder and the doctor was like, wow, that's really loose. And then he tested all my joints and was like, everything's really loose uh, and decided that I had hypermobility type Ehlers-Danlos. And that was about all he ever said about it and was that in high school yeah that was the after the surgery okay and so so it was grade 10 yeah and then had you so you were told that you had Ehlers-Danlos the internet was very young at that time did it sounds like your doctor didn't know much about it or think much about it so then did, did you think about it or did it? Do you feel like it impacted you? I thought about it because he said you're gonna want to watch out when you have kids. And at the time, I was thinking like eugenics. Like, dude, don't tell me 
not to have kids. Sorry, my hair looks bad like that. It's okay. Um, uh, but it turns out there's a type of Ehlers-Danlos that has spontaneous uterine rupture. Okay. So he was giving me good advice, just in a bad way. Yeah, that happens. So, I mean, I took it as a, you know, this, just don't do it. Don't procreate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the only reason I thought about it. Um, I'm still not sure if I have it or not. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Because... I actually just talked to somebody who has Ehlers-Danlos with hypermobility. Um, and she was misdiagnosed with lupus first. And she, her, um, her diagnosis was partly based on just the x-rays. All of her connective tissue is probably not gone. That's exaggerating. But her bones are grinding together because it's a connective tissue disorder. But I know different people manifest differently. So it sounds like it's not something that's recurred for you or caused other kind of ongoing issues that you notice. I mean, it has. I mean, my joints hurt all the time, but yeah, that's to me that's normal. You're and used it, to it's it. Never. Yeah, and I I played sports, um, varsity soccer, track, and lacrosse. So I like I'm used to something always hurting. So I I don't you know I don't ascribe it necessarily to Ehlers-Danlos. It could be, but then it could also be that time I went over a hurdle the wrong way and like just injury. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so then you went to college. Um, I I did. With you were you. eating a lot of ice cream. Yeah, with me, and you were eating a lot of ice cream. Um. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um. I went to college, and I guess this whole time, since the uh, I began menstruating, I would get awful headaches. That my mom always called once a month headaches. Because they were they happen every twenty eight days ish. Yeah. So those have probably been the worst part of anything. Is just a migraine for five days. Ugh. So I, you know, during college I'd go to class and then come back to my room and sleep and go to work and then sleep um and those suck yeah yeah i i do not get migraines but i do get debilitating cramping like i black out if i try to get up and it's really it's really something to navigate the world when you're like i have a really regular schedule for this one symptom that i cannot work around basically Yeah, luckily right now I I work in a lab where I can call and say, look, I've got a migraine, I'll come in later in the week. And that's been nice because they've gotten worse and worse and worse. Mm. 
Okay. So the migraines, that probably started at least high school, but they've been getting worse over time as something that you're basically managing, right? And if it's probably hormonal, then who knows what might be able to improve that. Have you tried anything? I don't know what that Um, would look like, but. I mean, the normal first-line treatment would be um, something that interacts with an SSRA, Mm -hmm. which my family, we're Irish, we're depressed. Okay. So it's actually, I've taken antidepressants for anxiety since high school. Okay. Just because I, I was always an anxious kid and, you know, and then in high school, one of my best friends killed herself. So lots of depression and anxiety. Yeah, which that's I'd, incredibly tough. Yeah, uh, yeah, it sucked. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of times people forget that mental health can have an impact on your physical health. Mm -hmm. So being anxious all the time, I wouldn't want to eat. And um, so anyway, for migraines, the drugs interact and that's bad. Yeah. Um, Right. You have to choose which one feels more important for you. Yeah. Dying versus having a migraine. So I usually go with having a migraine. Gotcha. Um, because serotonin syndrome is very bad. Yeah. It's important, serotonin. Well, yeah, having too much, you can look it up. Uh, I won't give you a biology lecture. Okay. Although I would love to. Biology um, lecture light. It's just basically you get a high fever and it's, Malignant hypothermia, yeah. uh, hyperthermia. Hyperthermia. So you're so, too hot. You're too hot. Yeah. Okay. Not like oh she's so hot, but <laughs> Ooh. like literally too hot and it it can kill you easily. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's something I'm working on. Um, mostly, I just take Advil. <laughs> Yeah. Do Advil anything. and Benadryl mm-hmm. try to sleep. Mhm. Yeah. Because being awake with pain is also awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um so then, so that was kind of did anything else was anything else going on in college for you physically around that age? Um I got pneumonia twice in college, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, The second time was senior year or fourth year, whatever. Uh, I got it from the kids at the preschool where I worked because kids are germs. Yeah. Uh, Factories. I mean, I love kids and everything, but... But they have um, a lot of germs. They do. And... The, where we went to college town um, doctors didn't treat me right like correctly mm-hmm. and I also refused to be admitted to the hospital okay like they wanted just 
just one night, we'll give you some IV antibiotics. I'm like, no, I'm, no, I'm taking a bunch of hard classes. I can't lose that night. Yeah. So, uh, they give me an antibiotic that's basically ineffective. And I had a fever so high that, well, I was in SA, so I had my own room. and Which is like a student was, staff person, just for context. Like an RA yeah, in the rest of the world. It, it, it's like an RA, but way cooler. <laughs> um, so my people on my floor were complaining about my coughing so much. So I had like jugs of this cough syrup. And was taking that. And I had such a high fever that I remember laying in bed and designing or trying to figure out what kind of car I would want for a zombie apocalypse. Sure. Uh, It's because some friends and I have been talking about, you know, things you talk about in the dining hall, like zombie apocalypse. Yeah. That's what you talk about in the dining hall, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so it was, I got sick in October, late October, and stayed sick until January. Okay. So I, I came home for winter break and, and was still sick and went to see my doctor and was actually given good antibiotics mm-hmm. and then I could climb a flight of stairs yay or go from my dorm to Bob's Underground the, the cafe on campus without stopping that's a victory so that was pretty exciting mm-hmm. so yeah an abnormal maybe immune function but like Something that could happen to anybody or maybe wouldn't happen to anybody. It's hard to say, right? Yeah. Uh, It happened. A lot of the kids got sick. But I think I was the only adult who worked at the the preschool who got pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And it turned into like full-blown pneumonia. Yeah. And that's how I met my (laughs) ex-husband. There you go. Yeah. As a pneumoniac, that's definitely not the word for that. Yeah. 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 And then, okay, so from there, is that the college chapter or is there more in there, would you say? Well, I think since we're getting close to graduate school okay, and postgraduate school, My whole life, I've always had, like, really intense deja vu. Okay. Or, I don't know, you're Canadian. Uh, Jamais vu? Yeah. Like, I've never been here. It's like the feeling I took Latin. Yeah. So, like, I remember being in kindergarten and just freaking out on the playground because I had been there before. And I was so sure. And then people are like, you're just weird. 
But it turns out I was having petite mall seizures. Okay. okay. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I didn't find out about that until right after, literally right after the World Cup ended in 2014. Okay. So perfect that's... timing. <laughs> so I just graduated from graduate school, had a master master's of science um, and watched every game of the World Cup because I'm a soccer fanatic and then one night had a series of seizures like major didn't... seizures okay and you didn't know that was what was happening no and I mean I just felt weird my ex-husband was in a different room. I somehow managed to walk to that room. Okay. And I I told him something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And apparently the way I said it, he was like, oh, God, something Stunned. is wrong. Yeah. And so we went to sit on the couch. And then a few minutes later, there's some hunky firefighters walking through the door. So he called EMS. He did, yes. Yeah. And you are not he, super aware of it. I was, no, there were grand mall seizures, so, you know, the f- whole fish flopping on the ground looking thing. Um, and that's, just for context, so a grand mall seizure, that's the thing that we kind of see in media and stuff, right? And that's what you're describing. But when an average person thinks of a seizure, they're probably thinking of a grand mal seizure. Is that true? You think so? Yeah. So then, so are there other grand mal seizure, or is it basically there are the two classifications? Okay. Oh, there's grand mal, which is now supposed to be generalized. Partly because um, that means like big evil, because it comes from when they thought people were possessed, right? Is that uh, something like yeah. that? I, I don't know about that. I, okay. I don't worry about that. I'll look it up. <laughs> I mean, if I'm possessed, it's... it's Maybe you are. Bad, then. Yeah, I, I might be, but... Um, I think that's so the history generalized of the seizures, Generalized Sorry. seizures are the whole brain okay. misfiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and focal seizures are one portion of your brain misfiring. Okay. So when I when I had the feelings of I've been here before, mm-hmm. that was a focal seizure. Okay. And sometimes those can spread to the rest of your brain, and that's what happened that fateful night. Gotcha. And so that was the first time that it had expanded in that way. Yeah. First okay. and hopefully last. All right, and hopefully last. Yeah, Um, because I ended up um, being put in the ICU, um, and I remember looking at the monitors and telling the nurse, I didn't know it was my monitor, so I was like, you should probably give that person some fluid. (laughs) Uh, They're tachycardic and hypotensive, so... You know, I'm not telling you how to do your job, but, uh, and then 
uh, my ex told me it was me. And I yeah. was like, oh, well, why don't they give me some fluid? <laughs> but they kept giving me um, Ativan, which is a benzodiazepine, you know, like the date rape drug, I guess. But it's the first line when you have a grand mal seizure. It's the first way to stop it. Okay. It usually, you just give it to somebody in their vein, and the seizure stops, hopefully. It, it stops whatever brain thing is happening. Yes. Um, I'm not a scientist, so they, obviously. I am. <laughs> um, so they kept giving me that every time I'd have another seizure. And the bad thing about benzodiazepines is they repress your breathing okay so you know the seizure would stop but i would also stop breathing and then a big giant nurse would rub my chest uh sternal rub if you rub right there you can try it on yourself it hurts right um so they just, they didn't like switch to a different tactic or anything. They just yelled at me and asked if I was going to breathe in thick southern accents. Okay. It's a tactic. It, this was Georgia. Okay. So, um, yeah, I see you and then a few days in the hospital. And then, hey, you have epilepsy. Okay. And is that, this is just my own ignorance. So is that an automatic diagnosis if you have a generalized seizure that you're epileptic? No. So it, like it lots could of be. Kids, lots of kids get febrile seizures. So it's not about how high the fever is. Febrile means fever. Um, it's just how fast the temperature changes and a okay. kid who's like two or three will have a seizure, okay. like a generalized seizure. And usually the, they don't develop epilepsy. Um, but what happened with me is I had seizures that wouldn't stop. Okay. And they happened in a row, like, I don't know how many in a row where I didn't come back to baseline you know back to like me making jokes yeah. being weird yeah so that was considered status epilepticus which is a fun name yeah for seizures that won't stop an epileptic so state yeah good job not a scientist <laughs> Yeah, you can have status asthmaticus. Right. Like an asthmatic state that won't stop. That's scary. Yeah. Seeing patients with that. Yeah. But so eventually the seizure stopped. How long were you there for? I think four days. Wow. Three, three or four days. My mother-in-law wanted to fly in and I was like, what the hell? You're not a nurse. You don't. You're not even. You, you know nothing about medicine. Why would you come? 
Like, what are you going to do? And my mom, yeah. And my mom wanted to come, but it's it was like a seven-hour drive. Then mm-hmm. I, I was actually probably not able to make decisions, but said, no, I'm fine. Right. You think you're fine, so, kind of? Or you would yeah. adapt to these yeah, things? Yeah, you know, it, uh, that was, uh, it was good times. So you were there for three or four days. You were diagnosed with epilepsy. And eventually they were able to, either they did it or your body did it, or somehow you leave the epileptic state. Um, Keppra. It's a medication that is wonderful. Okay. They finally, in the ICU, gave me what's called a bolus of Keppra, which is just the loading dose into my IV. And then no more seizures. And it stopped. Yeah, and so I've, I take Keppra twice a day. And nothing has happened. No seizures since. And how long ago nope. was that? That was four years ago. Four years ago. So, July 2014. July 2014. Okay, so almost exactly. So this is something that basically is totally managed for now by this medication. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing they found weird in my blood was that my magnesium was low Mm -hmm. and my blood sugar was low, Mm -hmm. which is weird because I had just eaten. Yeah. So the, I mean, having low magnesium or low sodium can cause a seizure and just a normal person. Okay. Yeah. Electrolytes are important. They're important. They're good. Uh, in the right amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, now I've, you know, I try to make sure my electrolytes are where they should be. And Do you supplement electrolytes? Like magnesium is hard to get in your diet. Uh, I take magnesium actually for migraines. Mm. Um, Sometimes when I remember, because mm-hmm. uh, my doctor said a certain amount was good, but I forgot what the amount is. I need to ask him. Um, so sometimes I do that. And I mean, if I'm out sweating a lot, then I try to drink, you know, a Gatorade or you know, a better electrolyte replacement. Right. Drink. One like, with less sugar. Well, like Pedialyte is great. Um, you know, cause I know it has the right balance. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Gatorade doesn't have magnesium. I think it's just potassium and sodium. Anyway. <laughs> I do yeah, think about electrolytes sometimes. Well, you got two of them. Yeah. So that's that's pretty good. It's on the way. Um, okay, so so that's something to think about in terms of preventing preventing them. And then 
also around the same time. So if that's when you were in grad school, we must be somewhere near when you decided to have surgery for the cochlear implant. Uh, that was after. This is I after. Had surgery for cochlear implant January 2014. Okay, so that was before the seizures. Yeah. And, you know, one doctor asked, like, is this cochlear implant causing the seizures? I was like, no, shut up. <laughs> because it, he thought that it went into the brain. I'm like, no, you're dumb. Um, I'm I'm usually nice people. Uh, it's just sometimes that was doctors. a really that was a really dumb thing for him to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it does not go in your brain. It goes into your cochlea, which that's, is the inner part of the ear. That's why it's called it's, that. Yeah, it's brain adjacent, but. Yeah. Not brain. And so, okay, so that was January 2014. And did you had you been thinking about that for a long time? You'd had some interesting surgical experiences earlier. So what was it like deciding to... Volu- I, I guess it's voluntary surgery compared to something that happens on an emergency. Uh, you mean the cochlear implant? Yeah. yeah it was... Something I've put off for years, partially because my audiologist, the the hearing doctors, said that I wasn't a candidate. Oh, okay. And then I found out that they were just trying to sell hearing aids. Oh. Um, and once you get past a certain amount of hearing loss, there's no way to make... It's not just quiet. Yeah. And it's not like my glasses where I can put glasses on and everything's clear. You can never amplify it loss, enough. Well, it's not my amplification. <laughs> it's more um, that uh, the sound is degraded. Okay. So there's distortion and I think of it as like a TV with snow on the screen. Do they still have snow on the screen? You know, I don't, I think don't that know. happens anymore. But I know what you mean. But I'm not sure if that happens with digital cable. Yeah, so it, it, it sputters it's like instead. That. It like glitches. But so it's just right. Putting on glasses won't fix the signal. No, a hearing aid won't fix. Right. Your hearing. So with hearing, it won't fix it. So you think, so as your hearing had been degrading, so at some point you said when you were much younger, you were easy to sneak up on, but you didn't necessarily think anything was going on. And at some point that had kind of crossed over and your doctor was recommending hearing aids, but they didn't help. The, I had more hearing aids. From age 17 to however old I was, four years, 27, I guess, 26. Yeah. Um, and they, like, I had to keep getting stronger ones. And at the time, it, during graduate school, I was 
like actually deaf with hearing aids. Um, How was that? Hard? Yeah. But also, you can just read the book. That's true. And um, Depends on the program, I'm sure. Yeah, this was medical stuff, so I, I could just read the book, mm-hmm. usually. Um, but, like, when I was taking a class in advanced biochemistry, and I'm terrible at chemistry... Uh, I was doing that at the local university, and I just popped into the disability office and said, hey, I have profound hearing loss. And they're like, okay, we'll give you two interpreters. Mm -hmm. And I was like, seriously, that's all I have to do? Yeah. So they had had interpreters. Yeah, like, accommodation was made easily, and that was mind-blowing. But their interpreters don't know, you know, the word for alkene. Right. Or cyano, whatever. Like super medical stuff. Uh, Yeah. I could see there being some specialization problems. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, these are words most people don't know. Right. So. Like, I couldn't spell them. So, if I needed yeah. to know... And were they signing? Um, they or, were fingerspelling. They were fingerspelling. Yeah. Like, I couldn't spell that, so... That so would be an obstacle. This is, like... Like, I'm just giving these poor ladies... They're all in... I'm just giving them carpal tunnel. Um, yeah. we We figured out some ways around... Some basic words, mm-hmm. uh, but like for graduate school, taking infectious diseases, that would have been, you know, they would have had to spell brucellosis and yeah, you know, just hard words, um, long and unfamiliar words. Yeah. And then for you, so since it had been a gradual process, when did you learn sign language? Or did you already know the sign alphabet? I um, actually was lucky enough that my local school, uh, just down the street from me, was the city's deaf and hard of hearing integrated school. So I learned sign language in kindergarten. Oh, wow. So as it happens, because I can imagine asking for an interpreter if signing is difficult wouldn't be a very helpful accommodation. No. And that must happen to people all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, But this, you know, I, from kindergarten to grade six, I new sign language and that's part of the reason why I wasn't diagnosed like when I had mild hearing loss or moderate hearing loss is because there's always an interpreter in the room right and so and I just, could just watch them yeah it was you were already being accommodated without anybody realizing it basically 
Yeah, and, and I was sneaky. I cheated on the hearing test because uh, it was like raise your left arm or raise wherever you hear the sound. And I noticed that it was the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I just mem- memorized it. And when it was my turn, raise counted one, two, three, and raise. Yeah. So, you know, it. Being a smart kid can get you in trouble. Yeah. Well, you want to fit in more. That's my experience with other related things. Being like everybody else feels important. And if you can figure out how to do that, then it's like you've solved the problem, which may not always be true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Despite being able to hear better... When I switched to the private school, St. Mary's, um, I you know, didn't didn't catch any jokes or anything. It's all girls' school, and girls are mean. Like we're awful. Yeah. Well, teenage girls. There's a lot. Yeah. Happening. So I ate alone every day from grade seven to twelve. Mm-hmm. So um, that'd be really hard. Or I'd eat. Oh, I'd eat with a teacher or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, I think, I was. I mean, looking back now, I know obviously my brain was stressed from trying to understand everything. Right. So I was just tired. Yeah. Working overtime. Yeah. Yeah. So by the time I was diagnosed with hearing loss, it was moderate to severe. Uh, there's mild, moderate, severe, and profound. Okay. Um, and then by the time I graduated from college, it was profound. Mm-hmm. And then it just kept getting worse. Like, you think you can't get worse than profound, but eventually I was exceeding the limits of the test equipment because they can only make sounds up to 120 decibels, mm-hmm. and you were which like, is like, loud. yeah, jet, jet plane taking off, uh, and I didn't hear it. Yeah. And so that's, you're saying, around the end of college, after college. And then, in, so in grad school, you were able to ask for interpreters? No. Um, I, was that a, like a summer class or some other class? That right? was, that was like post-bac. Okay. Post-baccalaureate, just in between. taking some classes that I needed because I didn't do well at a school. You know, at a small liberal arts college. So I took it at a large university, and it was much easier. Hmm. And they accommodated, and then grad school, and then in grad school, you got the cochlear implant. Gotcha. During the end of grad school, but the second year, I was on the clinical track, so... Um, you know, we had 
like 10 people in the class and the professors were the same every day and they would repeat what other people said and you know they didn't write on boards which is great because people writing on boards and lecturing is incredibly hard to lip read yeah. because their back is to you right um, so yeah in college I luckily had one professor in physics who we were doing physics as one does and um, you know there's P and D and E and G all in the same equation mm-hmm. so I was like look this isn't working and we figured out that if he learned the finger spelling for that, for the, the letter, then I would get it. So you could follow the rest, but those are all the same mouth movement. Yeah, and they sound the same. It's yeah, like yeah. So he he would like hold up a P if it was whatever, and a V for vector. Yeah. So it. Kind of looked like flashing gang signs. I don't know. But it um, works. Yeah, it worked really well. Yeah. Still my favorite professor. <laughs> that is good. So, okay, so from there, so then you have the surgery, and this hopefully was a better surgery experience for the cochlear yeah. implant. Yeah. You're thinking it, about it. It was. No trauma there. Well, um, they wouldn't let my mom into the recovery room. And my mom had my glasses. And she kept trying to explain, no, she's deaf. She can't hear you. And without her glasses, she's got 2200 vision. So she can't see you even if you're in her face. So you might be asking her a question like, do you feel good enough to leave? And she won't know what you're saying. Yeah. So I was in the recovery room from like 2 p.m. until midnight. And they decided to just admit me. But the doctor forgot to leave orders for pain control. Because um, he didn't expect me to still be there. Right. And nobody could get a hold of him, and that was when the pain started. When everything else wore off. Yes, and my mom just decided to... My mom had driven in um, to stay with me, because she, she's awesome. <laughs> um, and she kind of sprung me from the hospital. Great. After watching them give me a, a shot of a pain medicine, I'm surprised she didn't say it to the nurse's face that you did that wrong. Yeah. But they did it wrong. It didn't actually go into the muscle. So. Wasn't helping. No. So we, we navigated downtown Atlanta at midnight 
and found the CVS, got the prescriptions filled. Uh, and I had like this big head bandage, mm-hmm. and the pharmacist saw that and was like, "Yeah, they'll be right back. Like, we're not gonna make you wait thirty minutes." <laughs> so you so, got, uh, so you got the home care, the prescription stuff. Yeah, and then does it? I guess it's probably covered. You're cover all covered by a bandage, but do you notice a difference right away? Well, the, the surgery is just to put the inside parts in. Oh, and then there's a... Okay. I used to the, know more about them than I know now. It's sleek. How do, how do you forget that? I mean. No, <laughs> I used to know more about how they worked. I think I took a class, like a disability class in college, someone who did disability studies, and it was broad spectrum, but that was now over 10 years ago and I'm like right I know the point of cochlear implants and I do not remember the details of how they work anymore yeah I wanted to take that class and it's funny because like actually being a person with a disability that's talked about in the class I was rejected so so who knows whatever so a month later I got the outside part the Mine is bright blue. Nice. Um, and then I could hear-ish. It was like Donald Duck, Daffy Duck. I don't know. Some sort of duck sounding. It's like vibrational. And it was at the very beginning. But like I couldn't tell men from women just that somebody was talking I don't know what they're saying but talking is happening and then over the course of a few weeks I just had DVDs on I was writing my thesis so I filmed DVDs and had them playing all the time and then one day I laughed at a joke and I wasn't watching the captions. And I was like, oh my god, I heard a joke. Like it clicked. And Yeah. And it was Modern Family. I don't know which character said it. Like, it could have been anybody, male or female. But they said something funny. Yeah. And so you got that it. was... Yeah. Yeah. Real people took a long time, but... I bet. The music took a lot longer, mm-hmm. but it's, you so know, it's I'm been... ready to get another one. Hey, is it, do you get two or can you get two? Yeah. Yeah. Like Unless you you're in Canada. They won't cover it. Is that why? Yeah. The, you know, you can get one, but hearing out of one ear is, you know, like if I wanted to go for a jog right which has happened from time to time i decided i want to jog a car could come up from my left side and i would have no clue it's there right and uh i prefer not to be run over sure yeah i could see that um i could see that and so that was three and a bit years ago basically 
And so you do, it takes some time to adapt, but now, so now you are, your joints hurt, but it's not something you think about very much. And then you're like sensitive to electrolytes. I'm just thinking through the cognitive overhead. So you pay attention to electrolytes for migraines and for seizure, as a seizure trigger. Um, but otherwise the you're on medication for seizures, which seems to be working. And then are we pretty much caught up to the present? Has anything else? What else is happening? No, I mean, I guess this is sort of a weird chronic illness or more just a bunch of like a series of unfortunate events or something like that. But I'm pretty sure they're all connected. With you? Because, yeah. Yeah. Because I've always been the kid who could, like, fall asleep at the sleepover. And, Mm. um, you know, now I come home from work, and I'm probably tired from trying to understand people with very thick accents. Um in addition to my job, which is studying drunk worms, uh, literally, um, studying alcohol right. intoxication in worms. Yeah. <laughs> but I come home and usually fall asleep on the couch around 8. Mm-hmm. Then I could sleep all day. So the I've always been like that. Mm-hmm. And it was awful playing varsity sports. Because I'd have practice and then have to do homework. And my high school was very rigorous, um, you know, as nuns tend to be. They're known for it. So, yeah. So I'd come home and have to read a whole Dostoevsky book or half of one and stay awake. And then be back at school at 7 in the morning. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, wow, this has been a long time. That's part of it. I think once you start to think about your health, I don't know, as a story or something, you realize how many pieces there are going really far back sometimes. Yeah. And one thing I just like that just hit me was my muscles, like, I was a rock climber in college, and I was good because I'm long, mm-hmm. um, you know, like you. But after a while of, like, any aerobic exercise, like running, I was a sprinter. Mm-hmm. Um, anything over 200 meters, I would just be like, no, that's way too far to run. Yeah. Your body would <laughs> Yeah, so my, like, I could feel my muscles just stop working. And one time, during a very emotional time when my husband left, I got mono Mm -hmm. from the bastard. Um, And I couldn't go up two or three stairs without my muscles just aching. Yeah. And I was trying to wash my hair 
and my arms just felt so heavy. Yeah. And that's when I thought, oh my God, I'm going to die. That's why I cut all my hair off. I don't, like, I don't have hair anymore. (laughs) And it's because last year I was so sick that physically washing my hair was so awful. Like, I cut my hair two days ago. (laughs) You have nice clean ends. Yeah. But yeah, that's a real fatigue. I think I end up talking with people a lot right now about how we don't have good words for what that feels like because yeah, it is tired, like heavy. but you're heavy. Like there's something else. It hurts, even though it's not how we think about pain normally. Yeah. Uh, kind of, to me, it always felt like that. Yeah. I'll say like, I'm melting. But, like, I'm melting right now. <laughs> That's a good word. Unless you're in the South, and then sometimes you might be melting. Sure. Yeah, if it's really heat-related. It's cold here right now. I'm wearing a lot of warm things. Um, it's cold here, too, for, you know, relatively. Yeah, for where you are. Um, do you have... So you said you kind of think everything's connected, in a way. Do yeah. you have any of your own pet theories about what's going on, even if they aren't super scientific, you might not. <laughs> well, like, how do you explain it to yourself or do you, I don't think everyone does. I mean, the, the sleeping a lot and the muscle fatigue. And instead of thinking it's like one grand theory, I would say it's probably two or three different things. Yeah. Which like makes sense too. Medication side effects. Right. Um, you know, maybe some sort of hyperflexibility uh, problem that causes joint pain. Yeah. And then maybe some misuse of, uh, not me misusing, my body misusing carbohydrates uh, so that you know I reach a point where it's just dead end Um, and there are disorders that some doctors who I work with have pointed out and I'm like ah but it's not that bad I think my problem is I'm always thinking that whatever I have isn't that bad Right, which is objectively true that it could be worse, but yeah. not always helpful. No. Have no, you, when... with talking about carbohydrates and just kind of metabolism, do you ever play around with your diet? Is that, especially, I guess, if I you do. were told to eat a lot of peanut butter and chocolate and ice cream as a kid, that would be yeah. really different. That's really different than what I need right now, for example. Like, how does that stuff come I, in for you? I seem to need, like, physically need a lot of protein. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I can't forget about carbohydrates. And so, like, Greek yogurt, I think, has kept me alive. Fair. It's higher protein. Because it also than- has pro. Right. Regular and it has probiotics and mm-hmm. 
you know, it's it's easier to eat when you don't want to eat. Which is just, that's always been a problem with me. Where mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't want to eat. Or I forget about eating. Right. Well, and it must have been uncomfortable when you were younger. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, post-divorce, obviously I've gained some weight. So I'm not super skinny anymore. Um, which, you know, it's life. Um, yeah. Bodies are something that we have to, like, reconcile with all the time, I feel like. like yeah, as, as a kid, these... I thought hmm? I, hated, I hated my body when I was skinny because I was, like, sticks and, you know, like, literally a stick figure. And now I hate my body because it's sort of curvy. And it's one of those, like, Claire, you just need to get over it. Right. And it's easy. It's easy to think, like, women should just come be at peace with their bodies. Like, it would be really great. All women, whatever you're shaped like, just, like. And then when it it comes to your own body, you're like, okay, but my body. (laughs) It's hard. Yeah. I see people who, you know, are similar in size to me and think, wow, she looks great. <laughs> and then look down and I'm like, and I look like shit. Right. And you're like, <laughs> it's, some it's probably because I'm usually, I'm usually wearing scrubs, um, you know, working in hospitals and labs. Yeah. They're known for scrubs. being flattering. <laughs> scrubs. Oh, so very flattering. Yeah. 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 Uh, bodies. They're tough. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's just some different things going on when you pay attention. Um, what else was I going to ask? I feel like because we've kind of gone through piece by piece, you've talked about how it impacts your day to day and what it's been like with doctors. Is there any, is there anything else that you've thought about either from looking at other episodes or hearing other people's stories or as we've been talking, has anything else come up for you? around health stuff? Uh, reading other episodes, a big thing that just has angered me is the way doctors treat people. And as somebody who is actively trying to be a doctor, um, I'm like, why would you say that to somebody? Mm-hmm. They have legitimate concerns why would you say it's just depression? Oh my God. So or, much. So, I mean, and like, I have depression. It didn't make me, you know, like, didn't make my hair fall out or anything. It's just felt kind of sad. Right. Um, yeah, because it's so, not. Depre- I think depression is real. And I'm really mad that many doctors use it as a crutch diagnosis at the same time (laughs) yeah so I've sort of taken it these and thought about ways I can in the future when I'm a doctor Mm -hmm. um, you know not be a jackass that's I think that's great (laughs) (laughs) 
So, I mean, recognizing how people are feeling mm. and, you know, sometimes it's okay to say, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow, that really sucks. How can I help you? Yeah. Even you know, right now. I think that's that's great because that's part of it. I think most people... So far, people that I've talked to, when their health is a mystery, they get to a point where they understand that. They understand that it's complicated for a doctor to navigate, but there's still a difference between someone ignoring you and someone just saying exactly that. That sucks. Let's see what we can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I want to go to emergency medicine, so... (laughs) There will be so much of the figuring stuff out, but yeah, I mean, you know, not chronic. You can break an arm and have somebody say that really sucks. It looks like it hurts. <laughs> They're like, and yeah, and you feel just a little bit better. Fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, so that's one thing, and autoimmune diseases run in my family like mm-hmm. wildfire. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've been around people who've been chronically ill for, like, 40 years, um, and just knowing that it sucks, and it's not cool, it's not fun, right? is something I think I've been aware of. Yeah. You know, my favorite aunt has Crohn's disease. And, you know, I call her, she's all chipper and happy. And then, oh, yeah, I had to have another blood transfusion. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> yeah. Like, one time I got fired from a job, and I called this aunt, and her son answered, my cousin, um, and said, and he let me get the whole, like, crying story out before he said, so I guess you heard about mom's car accident. <laughs> and I was like, wait, you can't, you should have said, shut up, Claire. Yeah. But he's a college professor, so he's listening. It's reserved. And very, yeah, very empathetic. And then, oh yeah, mom's just in a car accident. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really helps to see, to know people and to be exposed to different kind of health situations and ways of being in the world, which I guess not everybody is. I mean, I don't think I was when I was younger. So. Yeah, my my, my mom worked at a kid's hospital when I was a kid, so I was always there, Mm -hmm. you know, she was one of the head nurses. So I've sort of always been around people who are not well. Yeah. And it. then I worked at camps for kids with autism and Mm -hmm. different diagnoses. So, I mean, everybody's different. Totally. It sounds weird, but that's always been the normal for me is, oh, okay, so this person is flapping their hands because that makes them feel better. 
Yeah. Okay. Just like they're not weird. Whatever works. Yeah. Yeah. And here, college, that tire swing, I loved it. Did you ever live on South Campus? No, I did not. No, there was a tire swing in between Haynes and Reed. Mm-hmm. And I lived in Reed three out of four years, so I was in love with that tire swing. Because <laughs> there's something about moving back and forward that... It's not good. That's why... It, helps babies yeah it's nice so yeah yeah all right well thank you so much for talking to me and talking me through all of the different things i think it's super important to share this stuff and you did talk at the beginning you said you didn't want you didn't like talking but you did it i know that's weird it's <laughs> the most i've talked in years well i am honored Thank you for listening to episode nine of No End in Sight. After our interview, Claire also mentioned that she experienced a lot of doctors accusing her of being anorexic. She was underweight when she was younger, as she described in the interview, and doctors and therapists would often ask directly or indirectly about her eating habits and self-image. So she was asked questions like, do you think you're big? And also asked to monitor her caloric intake. In Claire's case, she told me that doctors kept asking her about disordered eating or an eating disorder without necessarily acknowledging or responding to the anxiety and the literal compression of her stomach and esophagus that were causing her to be underweight. If these stories have been resonating with you, then I'd love to hear your story. At this point, I've interviewed a lot of straight cis white women, and I'd particularly love to talk to people with other perspectives. You can get in touch by visiting noendinsight.co or by contacting me at BennisB on Instagram and Twitter. Plus, I have a small Facebook group called Chronic Hustlers for people living with chronic conditions who are self-employed. It's pretty small right now, but I'd love it to become a place where we dig into all the questions about working and running a business while prioritizing your health. And finally... This podcast is supported by my cross-stitch company, Digital Artisanal. When I'm up for it, I make simple modern patterns that you'll actually want to hang in your home. I love to cross-stitch as a way to feel productive during flares when I'm stranded in front of the television. I just picked out the colors for my winter patterns, and I'd love it if you checked us out at digitalartisanal.com. Thanks for listening.